0: Very, very glad that you're here. We've gathered together today to celebrate the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ teaches us so much. The Bible tells us that the power that raised Jesus from the dead, listen, is the same power that is inside of everyone who believes. That's A lot of power. The resurrection teaches us that just as the body of Jesus died and was put in a grave, but on the third day was resurrected, the resurrection teaches us that also our bodies might be put in a grave, but they too will one day be resurrected. And they will be resurrected different. As a matter of fact, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the same way with the resurrection of the dead, this is verse 42, Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. But just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Isn't that good news? It's an amazing thing to me that on this very day, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ all over the world. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of people. The sad thing to me about that is that for most of those The resurrection of Jesus Christ really has no impact on their lives on a daily basis. I believe that there are some who the resurrection of Jesus impacts their life in a major way on a daily basis to the point where they don't make a a major decision that's not influenced by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and their relationship with Him. And so, I guess... The thing for us to do this morning is begin by asking the question, does your belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ impact your life on a daily basis? I think that if if there's some hesitancy there, and maybe I'm not sure how I should answer that, that, that you should at least give place to the possibility that you really don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Another way to ask that question might be, if you did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, would you live your life any different than you do now? There was a guy in the Bible whose life was radically changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His name was Paul. Paul led a comfortable life. He was a man of influence, he was a a man of authority, a, a man of wealth. And then he began to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it changed his whole world. It changed his life dramatically. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. But after he began to believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a fact, that it was true, that it impacted his life, then he became what may be the most persecuted man in the history of the world. The resurrection changed his life. The resurrection has changed my life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19, he says, look, if our hope in Christ is for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone in the world. It's as if Paul was saying, you think what I do, I do for fun? If there's no life after death, you should pity me. He goes on and he says in the 32nd verse of the same chapter he starts by saying what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus. Then he says this, if there be no resurrection from the dead if there is no resurrection then let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. Paul understood that that there's more after this life here on earth and it It impacted him. It changed his world. It changed his life. I think the the same kind of thought is what changes my life when I when I believe in the resurrection. Is that you know my relationship with Jesus because of the resurrection? I could talk to you about, about joy, I could talk to you about intimacy, I could talk to you about talking to God, God talking to me. I could talk to you about guidance and direction, but I think the thing that impacts me the most is the fact that the resurrection helps me to understand the end of the story. I know the end of the story. Hey, I know how everything turns out. And that has a direct influence on me, on decisions that I make. It has an influence on on, uh, how I serve and what my priorities are. I know how it ends. I, I remember a time uh, as a child, uh, sometime in my 30s. Back in those days, I, I, um, I was a fanatical Florida State football fan. I was nuts, crazy, ridiculous, go into a state of depression if we lost kind of thing. You know? I know. Crazy. I remember one time going to a game. It was at the opponent's home field. And so I drive over, and, 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 and I go to this game, and it's a big game. It's a rivalry game, and, and, and it was a tough game. Both teams were doing very, very good in the season, and they were fighting with one another and battling with one another and got to about the end of the third quarter. Florida State was up by about seven or ten points. They had the ball. They were about three or four yards from scoring a touchdown. If they could just knock that ball in, I mean, it, 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 it was just about put the game out of, out of reach. Charlie Ward was our quarterback. He took the snap from center, and he handed it to William Floyd, was our fullback. William Floyd runs through the middle of the line, and one of the linebackers from the other school hit him, and he fumbled the football, and they recovered. The opponents recovered, and I was devastated. I mean, Seriously. I was, I was angry, I was disappointed, I, 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 was, I was depressed, it was horrible. Our opponent took the ball, they went down and scored, and as the game turns out, um, Florida State won. Late play, near the end of the game, big play, they score a touchdown, they win the game. I'm happy. I get in my car, I drive back home. Back in those days, there was a, um, a, a television network called Sunshine Network. They would replay the Florida State games. So I got my glass of sweet tea and, and, and sat down in front of the TV, and I, I watched the game again. I did it all the time. I was nuts. And, and, and as I was watching the game, it was a really, really tight game. They were fighting one another, going back and forth. But at the end of the third quarter, we were up by 7 or 10 points. We had the ball on the three- or four-yard line. If we could knock it in, we'd just about put the game. Charlie Ward takes the ball, hands it to William Floyd. He heads right through. I'm watching this on TV. He, right through the, the, the line of scrimmage, boom, a linebacker hits him. He fumbles the ball, and they recovered. And I could have cared less. I mean, the opponents, they were high-fiving one another, and they were celebrating and walking around, and I was thinking to myself, you're going to (laughs) lose. Right? Because I knew how the game ended. And it didn't bother me at all that there was a fumble. And life is like that. And the perspective that the resurrection gives me, folks, I know how it all ends. I know that I'm going to be raised I have a corruptible body now, but one day I will have an incorruptible body. And life can be intense, and life can be disappointing, and life can have fumbles, and life can have interceptions, and life can have penalties, and life can have sacks, and life can have all of those difficult times, but I know how it ends. We win. Praise the Lord. We win. We win because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is why Paul said, look, if this life's all there is, then pity me. But there's more after this life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ needs to impact your life. Does it impact your life at all? I want this for you so bad. I want you to understand the reality of of God's love for you. I want you to understand the power of the resurrection. I, I, I want this for you so bad. I want you to have a belief in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to have eternal life. I want you to experience forgiveness of sins. And I would do just about anything for you to experience that. And it, 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 it makes me want to sit down with you. It makes me want to answer all your questions. It makes me want to debate the, the facts with you. It makes me want to argue with you. But I have come to realize what the words of Jesus during his earthly ministry really meant when he would teach and he would teach and he would teach. And then he would end his teaching with this. Let him who has ears, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. And, and what that really means, Jesus is the only person that said that in all the Bible. And he said it over and over and over again. And, and what it means is, is I am teaching you the truth, and if you want to understand it, you will understand it. If You have a heart for truth, you'll get the truth. I sit down with you and you say, well, Dale, I'd like to believe but, um, you know, I read the Da Vinci Code. So I go, okay, if I, can, if I can explain that away, if I can refute that, if I can bring you to a place of understanding that that's a bunch of bunk and it's a big joke, then will you believe? Um, well, no, there's the Gospel of Judas, you know, that we got to talk about. I go, oh, come on. Really? All right. Well, if I can, will you believe? Well, there's the hypocrites in the church, right? So I say, okay, we'll get rid of all the hypocrites, and then of course there'll just be you here. And and uh, <laughs> but 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 then, would you believe? The fact of the matter is, is, is we we don't believe because we don't want to believe. We don't understand the truth because we don't want to understand. The truth. And what's interesting to me is we're talking about heaven and hell, we're talking about eternity, we're talking about forever and ever and ever, and so and so I say to you, I say, hey, um, you think you go to heaven when you die? And you go, yeah, I think so. And I go, that's great. Why? Well, I'm a pretty good person. You're going to go to heaven when you die? I think so. Why? I'm a a pretty good person. And I ask you the question today, are you risking heaven and hell on I think so? Are you risking heaven and hell on I'm a pretty good person? I want to I, I, I show you something. I need, I, need, I need five volunteers from the audience. Five volunteers. one. Annabelle, why don't you come? There's Greg. He can come. Come on up, buddy. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. I think I got. Yeah, Alan, come on. I, I, I got my five. Y'all just stand and, and, and face everybody. Now, I'm going to turn these signs over. I want you to see that we have this scale, and on one end of the scale is ultimate evil, and, and on the other end of the scale is ultimate good. And we know somebody, all of us know somebody who we think of as ultimate good, and we know somebody who we think of as ultimate evil. Now, this is irrelevant to us because we have a difficult time with thinking that we need someone to die for us. We have a difficult time thinking that someone has to pay the penalty for our sin. Because we think we're good people. I mean, society tells us we're good people. We get subliminal messages that say, hey, you're a good person. So there's this, there's this scale of ultimate good and ultimate evil. Now, I want to use these guys. Let's use Annabelle, the sweet, precious, precious little girl. She's going to represent ultimate good. I want her to represent someone who you think is ultimate good. Tell me someone who you think is ultimate good. Uh, except for Jesus. Billy Graham. Billy Graham's a great example. Annabelle, you get to be Billy Graham this morning. <laughs> and I'm gonna take you right over here, and I'm not gonna put you, we, we all agree that Billy Graham's not ultimate good, but he's close to it, right? He's probably got some issues. Or had some issues, or has, has some issues. So, this is Billy Graham. Now, give me an example of someone who's ultimate evil. <laughs> yeah. Give me another example of someone who's ultimate evil. Hitler. Hitler's good. You get to be Hitler. And I'm gonna set you right over here next to, next to ultimate evil. There's probably one good bone in your body, so you're not ultimate evil, but you're right, you're right next to it. Okay, we got three more. Who's this gonna be? Name anybody you want. Who's this gonna be? Michael Jackson? <laughs> Whee! <laughs> All right. Where does Michael Jackson go on this scale? Should I go this way? I should go this way? How far should I go? All the way? Here? This is Michael Jackson we're talking about. Is this good? Michael Jackson? All right. Alan? Who's this going to be? Who? J Lo. All right. You're J Lo. Which way do I go? This way or this way? This way? How far do I go? Right here? About right here? All right. Good. Yeah. (laughs) All right, you got one more. You got one more. The Hulk? No, that's not good. Who? Drake? No, that's not good. Alexander Hamilton. That's a good idea. Who? <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. That's a great choice. Oprah Winfrey. She's done a lot of really great things. People in Africa and all that stuff. Where, where, where should I put Oprah on the scale? This way. This way. Oh, this way. Should 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 Oprah go past Michael Jackson? This way. All right, should should she go past Billy Graham? All right, so about, about right here. Okay, all right, listen. Where would you put yourself on this scale? Where would you put yourself? All right, now let me ask you this question. Where should I put this sign? Who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? Should we just put it right in the middle, or maybe one step toward ultimate good, b- b- because you know it's all on a scale. And if we do a little bit more than good, then we do bad, then we, then we get to go to heaven. What you think? You go to heaven? I think so. Why? Because I'm a pretty good person. So where should this go? A quarter of the way. Maybe it should go this way. Okay, guys, thank you all so much. Where does God say this should go? God says this should go all the way to the very end. That you have to be ultimate good. You have to be perfect in order to go to heaven. But the Bible also says that none of us are perfect. The Bible says that we've all made bad choices. The Bible says that we have all sinned. And so how can we go to heaven and how can we know that we can go to heaven? Well, that's what the cross is all about. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ who died for us on that cross, Ultimately, what we are doing is we are taking upon ourselves His goodness, His righteousness, His ultimate good, and He is taking upon Himself our sin, and He died on a cross to pay for our sin. So we don't have to think so. We can know so. How can we know so? Because when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead... It was God saying, I accept his sacrifice. His sacrifice is good. His sacrifice is all you need. He's the perfect lamb. He's the perfect sacrifice, and I accept that. Where would you put yourself on this scale? You're going to go to heaven when you die. Are you? You think so? You don't have to think so. Why do you think so? because I'm a pretty good person. It's not about being a good person. It's not about being further toward ultimate good than it is toward ultimate evil. It's about Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross, which has, been re- which has received a stamp of approval from God when He raised Jesus from the dead. And there are people in here this morning who you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you don't know And I'm saying to you, it's heaven or hell. Really? You're going to depend on a think so? God calls you to Himself. God wants relationship with you. And that can be established on this very day. For it is by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not a result of works. I want this for you. I want to mention one other thing to you, and then we're going to close. I think about the Gospel of Mark in the 16th chapter where Jesus has been raised from the dead and some of the ladies who had been followers of Jesus ran to the tomb because they were going to anoint his body. When they got to the tomb, they saw that the stone had rolled away, and so they walked inside the tomb and there was an angel there. And the angel said to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is risen. He is alive. And then he said, go and tell the disciples and Peter that he is risen and that he is alive. Well, it is, it's interesting to me. Why would the angel say that to the ladies? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter was a disciple. Well, we begin to understand why the angel said that when we look at a few chapters before and we see Peter standing in front of Jesus saying this to Jesus, Jesus, I love you. You have my life. I would go anywhere with you. I would die for you. And then we turn a couple of chapters later and we see Jesus, we see Peter standing around a fire denying that he even knows Jesus. And when he had denied him the third time, he looks up and looks over and Jesus is standing there and Jesus is looking at him. And I can't even begin to imagine the feeling within Peter. But I imagine that he was thinking to himself, That's it for me. No more Jesus for me. I, I, I've, um, I've been disqualified. I've denied him three times. He told me I would. I told him I wouldn't. I told him I would die. For him, but I denied him. But his love never fails. It never gives up. And it never runs out on you. I share that part of the resurrection story with you because I know that there are people in this auditorium who have said something similar to what Peter said to Jesus. You've said that to Jesus too. I did. I love you. I'd give my life for you. I would die for you. As a young boy, I can remember saying, Jesus, I, one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going to marry a, I'm a woman who will love you and we're going to have a Christian family and we're going to serve you and, and you can count on me and I'm, I'll be faithful. My, wife, my life didn't turn out that way. And maybe you had made that commitment to Jesus. I love you. I'll die for you. I'll go anywhere with you. I'll serve you my whole life and maybe your life didn't turn out that way. Here's what I want you to know this morning. His love never fails. It never gives up. It'll never run out on you. And and that angel could have mentioned your name when those ladies came to the tomb. Go tell the disciples and go tell, I'm alive. I'm alive. Jesus calls you to himself this morning. I want the resurrection of Jesus Christ to impact your life on on a daily basis, and it can. When we have that close relationship with him. He leads us. He guides us. He empowers us. He sets us free. He gives us hope. I want you to experience that on a daily basis. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to save you. Maybe you did that at some time in your life, but you've walked away from that. You can be right today. I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to ask you if you would to take the connect card that's in the chair in front of you. If you've made a decision for Christ today, I'm asking you to please let us know. A decision for Christ is the beginning of something new. It's not the end. And we want to walk that journey with you. We have some information. So let us know how we can contact you and let us know the decision that you make. This con, this connect card is important because it's your way of communicating with us. You can use it for any reason that you want. Write us a note. Uh, uh, anything that you want to share with us about your experience this morning and I'll, I'll look forward to receiving that. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you can pray a prayer similar to this one. What's important is the attitude of your heart. Man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. What's important is your heart. You can pray a a a, a prayer like this, expressing the attitude of your heart. And here's what the Bible tells us, and here's what the resurrection guarantees us. God will save you today. And when you are saved, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that will indwell you. Next week, we're going to be talking about this journey, the spiritual journey. And we're going to be talking about the power to be set free. And we're going to be talking about the power to, to live through difficult circumstances. And we're going to be talking about power that gives us security. I hope that you'll be back for that next Sunday. Pray with me if you would. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you would say to me, I'm going to die for you. And if you'll just believe me, I'll give you my righteousness and I'll take your sin. Thank you for that. Thank you for eternal life. I pray this prayer for anybody in this room, Lord Jesus, who wants relationship with you. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And I believe Jesus' death, when I believe, takes my sin away. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that heaven is my home. Help me to live a kind of life that would be pleasing to you. You're here this morning and you promised Jesus one day, but things haven't turned out that way. His love never fails. It never gives up. It'll never run out on you. He stands with open arms. Just run into his arms. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.